Hello, 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 and welcome into Coach's Corner. That's right, I am your host, Coach of Art, coming at you with a new episode. And it's an audio episode, so yay, I'm sorry sorry to the YouTube once again, but we're back. We're here with another episode of Coach's Corner amidst a very, very, very important week in the college football landscape. Uh, it's conference championship week, we have uh, NFL. Um, am I going to bang the drum that we're once again closer to seeing who the good teams are, but no, for real, we are having some interesting scenarios happen right now with the wild card, how it's going to play out for the final spot in both conferences, um, and so, yeah, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, we have a lot of stuff to get into, but first things first, I do want to talk about the transfer portal, the everyone's most favorite thing to talk about, uh, every person who's been, you know, following the game of college football knows about the transfer portal, Everyone has an opinion on it, and I'm here to give my opinion because I feel like I don't know if I've given it. I don't know if it's if I did last off season. Either way, I want to talk some transfer portal. Talk about how um, it's actually pretty exciting. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, we're getting closer to college football just completely being just you know the NFL <clears throat> development league basically and. I mean, that's okay. I mean, that's what it is, right? College is, you know, where players figure out their kinks, they figure out their stuff, they're getting ready for the draft because they want to be in the NFL eventually. So, I mean, it is in a roundabout way that. I mean, it's in its own special bubble, of course, of hundred and over 100 teams. Um, and there's a lot of transfers. And, you know, I do think that it it is important to note that we still have a lot of players that are you know, eligible with that COVID year, that extra year of COVID eligibility has kind of given a lot of players a lot more time in college than they probably should be. Um, they should get a job after their seventh year of college. A lot of these players are in at least. Um, but you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of, I think where people are having an issues because we see guys jump around so much, but I think it's because we see those guys jump around because of that COVID year. They have an extra year of flexibility. And I mean, uh, think about DJ Ukulele, for example. You know, obviously, I think he came in during the COVID year. So, you know, he's been around for a while now, played at Clemson for a couple of years, went to Oregon State now for a couple of years, or I think just this season. Um, and he's in the transfer portal once again. And so he just seems like a case of a good player. Like, he's a fine player, better than I thought he was when he was at Clemson. And he's thought, likely just going to go to another school that I don't, I don't think is better or worse. But he's going to go there, and it's just going to be okay. And, you know, it's it's like it's not going to hurt anyone. No one's going to be hurt by DJ Ukulele's opinion or, like, his choice on where to go. But people will take issue with it because they like to take issue with everything and be like, well, why is a kid just jumping around to college to college so much? As if, like, normal college students don't do that already. Athletes do it, too. I don't I don't know why it's such a shocking revelation that People go from worse colleges to better colleges or, you know, like, um, I'm going to think of a player. Let's go with Ra Ra Thomas on Georgia. Just a Georgia player that I know going from Mississippi State to Georgia. I mean, people have an issue with it. Mississippi State fans have an issue with it mainly. But, I mean, he just made an elevation in colleges from going to, respectfully, Mississippi State is not better than Georgia. Like, in football, in academic, like, any sense of the word, Mississippi State is not better than Georgia. So, 
he went to Georgia. And, I mean, that's just, it's a natural progression. I mean, if someone's struggling at a big school, DJ Ukulele struggling at Clemson because it's a bigger school and he's not really made for it. He realizes it's not a good fit for him. And he leaves to a smaller school in Oregon State that things can fit him better. And he, you know, thrives under the year. And his coach left. I mean, that's that's another big part of that story is his coach that kind of convinced him on coming to Oregon State left to take the Michigan State job. So, I mean, that's a sufficient reason, I feel like, to leave the school that you're at, you know, go elsewhere. And so he's just going to go find a place that he can call home for the next year and probably end up going to the NFL as a backup or USFL, XFL, whatever. And that's fine. <laughs> like, I don't... People just have the issue of players jumping around so much, but, I mean, it's just a natural thing to do. I am a product of transferring around. I went to Georgia Southern my freshman year. Didn't like it. was not the environment for me. Moved. Went to North Georgia for a year. Then I finally got into Georgia. So it's like, it was a natural progression. Georgia Southern was fine. Not a great school. Not a good fit for me. I left it. Went to UNG to kind of, you know, continue my stuff. Then I eventually get into Georgia, and Georgia's been the perfect fit for me. I love the school and everything. So players have that same thing. They're not robots in the machine that just want to play football and do, like, only, you know, like, there's no other outside effects of transferring other than football reasons, which, I mean, they play a big factor in that, but they're not the sole reason. And, I mean, also, you, I mean, this just always comes back to NIL. I feel like everything is going to come back to NIL and once we get it away from that, I feel like the discussion will be more healthy and it will actually be a, you know, decent points from both sides. But when people will just point at NIL, well, he's just taking a big money to go somewhere else. Well, yeah, wouldn't you do that? It's the same thing as a job. It's, it's like it, if someone was working at a decent place and they were making good pay and then, you know, they're doing fine, but then another market firm comes out of nowhere offers a you know better contract with a better situation, you would jump at that opportunity. It's not a far-fetched thing for these kids to transfer. And I think we have to kind of readjust our you know brains and realize that the landscape of college football is so vastly different than it is even five years ago. And as soon as we realize that, the less it will be on our minds and we'll have an issue with it because... It's just it's just a natural thing. You just have to break down what it actually is for people to realize that it's okay that the kid is leaving this school to go to a different school. It's okay that the kid is getting paid money to play the sport that's also generating millions and millions of dollars for the school. It's okay for these things to happen. Now, the conference realignment stuff is kind of a different issue. It's not on the players. They don't decide that. But for things that they can decide, like the transfer portal and their NIL deals, we have to readjust our brains and say that it's okay that the, the kid slash young man is making a decision that is in the best interest of themselves. Because we can't control them. Our fandom hates it. We don't like it. We cannot like the player, but we can't, we can't not like their decision. Like We can have an opinion on their decision, but we can't be like, that decision is god-awful and he will never be... Like we can't be like I like I disagree with this decision wholeheartedly. Just don't like it, okay? There's there's issues with it you can have that aren't leading back to this road of well that's a bad decision. Like there's just there's ways to phrase it, there's ways to go about it. 
where we're not just being weird about an 18 to 20 year old or 22 year old making their decision about where they're going to go to school. Okay, <laughs> that's my main point here. As we're starting to see a lot of the kids transfer, um, a lot of the guys transfer. Like I said, the COVID year will. Once the COVID year goes away, I think we'll, we will get a more healthy ecosystem of transfers. But as we are right now, it isn't great. I mean, like we have Bo Nix, who has the most career starts for a college quarterback ever. So either way, either way, here we are. Conference championship week. Let's get into the picks. Let's look, at, look back at our last regular season week. We started off amazingly. We started off... You know, five and one on the week. We were gonna thrive. We we're gonna have a nine and two. You know, eleven and four kind of week that we've been having. But then the night games happened, and boy, did we come back down to earth. Starting off, we had Toledo minus ten and a half at Central Michigan. They covered with ease. Iowa Nebraska unders. At the the podcast title last week kind of tells you the story of that. Iowa unders always win. Oregon State plus 13.5 at Oregon. Uh, they tried to keep that competitive in the first half, but sadly, I think Oregon State, I don't think they quit on the season, but I think they kind of like, you know, saw the writing on the wall pretty early in that one. Memphis minus 12.5 at Temple. They covered that pretty easily. Texas A&M and LSU got over that over at the kind of the third quarter to fourth quarter part of the game. Tulane minus 3.5 against UTSA. That was never in doubt. Ohio State at Michigan under. Um, that was a great game. Aside from my pick here, that was a great game. Um, the over did hit. And, you know, I, I I was impressed by Michigan's performance because it was one of those Ohio State came in, it felt like they were high and mighty. You know, with Jim Harbaugh was gone. They could have finally beat Michigan and been like, yeah, you guys were cheating all this time. But then Michigan, Michigan, man, they just they found a way to get the win at home. Um, huge win for them. You know, Ohio State kind of has to look in the mirror, kind of see what they're doing wrong, because obviously they're failing against the team up north for them. So, that bet loses. SMU minus 18.5 against Navy. That was never in doubt. Florida plus 6.5. Florida had that cover for so long of the game. Then they just gave it right up to Florida State at the end. That was a heartbreaker. Jacksonville State at New Mexico State. It was a close game. I was correct in that. But both teams barely reached 20, I think. It was tough. Indiana at Purdue. This was a very controversial pick. I wrote down the over, picked the under, and the over hit. So that was a brutal one. A competitive, fun game from two awful teams. Indiana fired their coach. I think they hired JMU's, James Madison, um, head coach. So that's a good big hire for them. JMU losing their coach, of course, probably is really tough on a program um, that's just had their two best years probably ever. But, you know, that's the cycle. Uh, Cal at UCLA over 51.5. Cal dominated UCLA from that, you know, game from the start, giving UCLA the, you know, chance to really kind of be like, yeah, we can fire Chip Kelly. This is okay. Alabama minus 14.5. That was the worst end-of-game performance I've ever seen from a team coming from Auburn. First of all, the kid that dropped the ball, that was tough. He just slipped. I That was just brutal to watch for him. But then Auburn's defense at the last play. I Fourth and goal from the like 30-yard line, they rush two players that don't really even give a great effort. 
and have a spy who's just standing there doing absolutely nothing. Might as well have just not been out there. And, of course, the coverage can't hold up for the 12 seconds Milrow had to throw. So, you know, Alabama wins that but doesn't cover. And they have a chance to, you know, stir up some trouble here on Saturday. We'll get to them in a minute. Then, last but not least, our beautiful, beautiful Northwestern Wildcats. Plus five and a half at Illinois. Of course they won that outright. Of course they did. Of course they did. They're, they're the Northwestern Wildcats. We love them in this town. Northwestern quietly kind of came, became the East Carolina that I never knew that I needed. Um, similar to how I talk about uh, Arizona, Northwestern and UNLV were there for me this year. We're going to go to one of them one more time. So, Going into this week, I have picked through all the games. There's only, let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 games on Saturday. We're officially here, folks. The end of the season, my little heart breaks because I, if you can't tell, this is my favorite sport. This is some of the most fun I've ever had watching sports. It's just these college football games, they're madness. But we have to say goodbye to this season and look ahead to bowl season, which I'm also excited for, with the conference titles. Um, first up, New Mexico State at Liberty. Liberty's ranked number 24 in the nation. They are undefeated. You know, great season from them so far. Uh, New Mexico State's also having a great season at 10-3. and three. Obviously, they just come off the big win against Auburn and Jacksonville State, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah, New Mexico State, I'm sorry, but I'm going with the Liberty. I don't know if they're the Eagles or what they are, but Liberty, minus 10.5. Um, this is, frankly, I think Liberty's just a machine. This is also one of those conference championship games that's actually played at the team's home stadium, so it's not a neutral site. So Liberty at home, give me them minus the points there to beat New Mexico State. Next up, the Pac-12 championship on Friday. Big, big game. Big implications for Washington and Oregon here. Winning get in, I think this is safe to say. Um, and I'm going with Washington plus nine and a half against Oregon. Uh, the game's in Las Vegas. Nine and a half is a big number. It's a huge number for a team that did beat Oregon, granted it was at home, during the regular season. Um, a team that does have offensive weapons that are just up there with the best of them. And a defense that has shown they can show up when needed, like against Oregon State a couple weeks ago. Now, don't don't get it twisted. I think Oregon is a great team. I think Bo Nix will be invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony. And he has great weapons as well. Bucky Irving, the running back. Troy Franklin, the wide receiver. And their defense play is good. And they've been smashing teams ever since they did lose to Washington. So, you know, I think it's tough to say that, you know, Oregon will lose this game. And I don't think that will happen. But... I have the plus the points here. Plus, nine and a half is a big, big number. And I know Washington's been hanging on by a thread, but I think Washington overall as a team is just something... I think they just match up well with Oregon. And I do think Oregon wins this game because, I mean, frankly, they lost that game at the last second against Washington. So, give me Oregon to win the game, but not to cover the points. Nine and a half is too rich for me. Give me the Huskies plus nine and a half. So those were the Friday conference title games. We're moving on to Saturday, starting off with the Big 12, Oklahoma State versus Texas, a huge game for playoff implications. 
Um, we'll really see where Texas stands at the end of this game. Obviously, I mean, that's kind of clear, but Texas has to win this game. I think they have to win it with style points. Um, Oklahoma State, they're trying to ruin Texas this season right before they leave for the big or the you know SEC. So I think this will be a competitive game for a quarter. But unfortunately, I don't know if it'll hang out you know, throughout halftime. Because Texas right now, I think, is on a roll. Um, you know, I mean, they've had some shaky weeks, kind of like Washington. Barely beat TCU. Um, but last week, they killed Texas Tech. I think that was kind of a tune-up game. And Oklahoma State, I, they're just too hot and cold this season. I mean, 9-3 and three is a great record for them. They've had some great close finishes. Beat Oklahoma. They lost by 42 against UCF. They lost by 26 to South Alabama early on in the season. I just don't know if I can trust this Oklahoma State team. So for that reason, I'm not going with either team. I'm going with the over, 55 and a half. Like I said, it just seems like a low number. I think Texas can score a ton of points on this Oklahoma State team. Ollie Gordon, if he can just score three touchdowns, I think that Oklahoma State will do their part. Texas will do their part. Give me the points here. 55 and a half. Next game, a team that I've been riding with recently, a game I actually picked, um, you know, during the regular season, and I'm flipping off what I did with the last other pick, um, the pick I did the first time with these two teams. Miami, Ohio versus Toledo, the Maction Championship. I'm going with Toledo, minus seven and a half against Miami, Ohio. And I think this is actually the exact line it was last time, but I took Miami, um, and it didn't work out for me. And I, I've been taking Toledo the last couple weeks. They've been getting me some easy winners. So I'm just going to keep riding the Toledo Rockets. They are a wagon 11-1. and one. Uh, You know, just really taking care of business. Not great against the spread. 500 against the spread. But they handled business against Miami, Ohio the first time. I think they do it again. Uh, another title, or another, you know, conference title game that I think is, um, you know, it's at home for a team here, so I think that's important here. And it's also UNLV, the team that I mentioned earlier, has been very good to me. Will continue to be good for me because they will win this game. Give me UNLV plus two and a half against Boise State. Boise State hasn't hasn't had an impressive season ever since, like I think their early season success. Um, so for that reason, I just I can't put I can't you know put myself to really picking. Uh, Boise State to win this game. I, I can't believe that they're favored, honestly. Next game um, we have is App State at Troy for the Sun Belt Championship. Um, obviously, James Madison couldn't participate because they lost, but we have two pretty good teams in the Sun Belt, 8 and 4 App State, 10 and 2 Troy. I'm going with the over, 52 and a half. Uh, it feels like it's a pretty safe number here for two teams that I think are productive. The issue that gets in here is if Troy blows them out, like if Troy's defense kind of suffocates App State, I don't know if App State will hold up their end of the bargain. But I'm just going to go with the over because if 52.5 feels like a very doable number, and you know, I think App State's been playing well recently, coming off a good win against James Madison. Next game we have is. <coughs> mm, I'm sorry. Next game we have is SMU. Um, Heading over to Tulane, SMU is plus three and a half. You know, going over to Tulane, and I'll tell you right now, SMU has been awesome for me. I think 
there's a good chance. I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. My buddy Sam Watts, he told he asked me, or he, I think he told me, he told me Sam, the SMU was going to be the best team in the ACC next week or next year. And I, I can't disagree with him. I think SMU's going to be a monster of a team next year. They're playing really good football. That offense is as crisp as you can have in college football right now. For that reason, I'm going to take SMU plus 3.5 against Tulane. Their end um, in the American Atlantic Conference. Either way, give me SMU plus the points here against Tulane. Last three games on the docket, all Power 5, the last, you know, big three, uh, huge. This is, the playoffs is going to be decided in this next game for the SEC. Georgia, Alabama, Atlanta, 4 o'clock Eastern time. This is the big one, folks. And I'm going to go with the over 54.5 here. Um, right now it's sitting at Georgia minus 5.5. I, I think that's an okay number. Um, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think Georgia will win by six points. If I'm being honest, if, I, if Georgia wins this game, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a field goal game. Um, Alabama, I, I don't think Alabama's, I think they're kind of overrated at this point, but not in the sense that they're a bad team. They're a very good team. I think they're overrated in the sense that I don't think they've played anyone really worthwhile. And the one team that they have played over the past, like five games, that wasn't any good was LSU. And the thing about them is they have no defense, and they, Jane Daniels also got hurt in the fourth quarter, which kind of directly led to a Bama touchdown after he got hurt. So, you know, I don't think you can take that game into account, really, and I don't think they have an impressive win. I mean, frankly, if I'm being honest. Um, that being said, like I said, I think they're still very talented. Their defense is still very good. They have vertical threats. Uh, can Milrow you know, take advantage of that? Can he take advantage of a very inexperienced linebacking core? Maybe. But right now, I think Georgia's offense is rolling. I think they're very, very good right now. And I'll be interested to see. This This really feels like kind of a chess match between two teams that aren't really exactly as dominant as they normally are. But obviously, they're still two of the premier programs in all of football. So next game on the docket, Michigan versus Iowa, a real, real nasty showdown. This will be my lock of the week. I'll tell you right now, Michigan minus 23.5 against Iowa. Iowa, I would be shocked if Iowa scored seven points. That would be shocking to me. So, yeah, um, I just think Michigan will really want to come out and smash Iowa in the face. Jim Harbaugh's game back. It might get ugly very quickly. This is an easy one. Give me Michigan. Minus 23 and a half. And also give me the under 34 and a half. Because if there's one thing we know, it's Iowa unders will always win. So give me that under. Then last game I have on the docket here, Louisville versus Florida State. Obviously Florida State down their quarterback. That's a big, big loss for them. We'll see if, you know, how bad that affects them. Obviously, you know, Florida couldn't get the job done. Um, there's a still a close game. Florida was winning that game for a while. Louisville coming off a bad loss against Kentucky. You know, it kind of puts a, a stench on this Florida State win if they do end up winning because Louisville obviously just kind of feasted on the ACC and didn't do much elsewhere. Um, but, you know, I I mean, I, I got Louisville plus two and a half here. I just don't, I just can't buy Florida State right now just with that quarterback. I don't think he's ready quite yet. He's a fine quarterback, but... 
I just, I'm not buying it. Not buying it for like the biggest game of his career with playoff berth on the line. I just I can't. <laughs> I can't bet that guy. So I'm going Louisville plus the points here. And that'll do it. That'll do it for college football. Um, the season. We'll be heading the bowl season. We'll be talking playoff scenarios. Uh, my last prediction that I'll make is I'll go with Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas. I think those are the four best teams in the nation right now. I think those four will find a way to win their games, and I think for that reason, I have to go with those four teams. And yeah, that'll be my official college football playoff prediction heading into this week. Um, We'll see how true that rings as we head into Saturday's action. Uh, So NFL stuff... You know, we'll go through the games here real quick. Uh, we have upcoming tonight's game, Seattle at Dallas. This will be a hilarious old takes exposed as the game starts in two hours. Um, I think Dallas is going to kill them. I mean, frankly, Dallas is at home. Uh, Seahawks on the road. I don't. I, they're kind of crashing <laughs> like really quickly. They're lucky the NFC is so bad right now. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm not buying Seattle at all. Atlanta traveling to the Jets. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was activated from the IR. He's he's not playing this week. No chance. Uh, but I mean, this the Falcons finally win a game against the Saints. They finally take control of the NFC South. They finally are in the playoff picture. This would be the most Falcons loss ever to Tim Boyle. And I'm kind of mentally preparing for it, but I do think Atlanta wins this game just based on the fact that. The Jets' offense is just so bad. If anything, Jesse Bates will score more touchdowns than anyone on the Falcons' offense. And I think for that reason, i got to pick Atlanta. Uh, Miami at Washington. Washington kind of cleaning house on the defensive side of the ball. Any second or any minute now, it feels like Ron Rivera will get fired. Um, this could be a prime spot. You know, if they get embarrassed on Sunday with Miami, uh, Tua might do some nasty things to the secondary. Tyreek Hill might you know, permanently retire every single one of the Washington defenders. So, give me Miami. Uh, Detroit at New Orleans. Uh, Detroit sliding kind of quickly is tough because I think they are still a good team. Um, They're still really good at covering the spreads. And, I mean, I think this is a good spot for them to bounce back. New Orleans is kind of in a crossroads right now. They had a chance to, you know, get control of the division last week. Didn't take it. Derek Carr seems to be, you know, pretty, pretty much dying <laughs> quarterback. So, for that reason, I think Detroit's going to want to get back. I think they'll, you know, kind of come back to what they have been. I think they're getting healthier by the week. So, give me the Lions. Chargers against New England. This is a very sad game. Uh, New England probably starting Bailey Zappi. The Chargers are just a sad team. Give me the Chargers. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Not really good explanation other than give me the Chargers. I don't don't want to talk about it. Arizona at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's winning games now. They finally eclipsed 400 yards on the year in a game last week. It was against a Bengals team that's frankly beat up, and they frankly probably didn't deserve to win it, but they did. They're playing an Arizona team that's bad. So I think this is kind of a... This is going to be our very telling Pittsburgh game, whether we're like, yeah, this is an okay team. We can live with this team being in the playoffs. We're going to be like, God, why is Pittsburgh going to be in the playoffs? Because 7-4 and four right now against Arizona is just recipe for 8-4, and four, and 
teams that are eight and four, I feel like probably have a pretty good chance to make the playoffs. So, um, we have a huge game in the wild card playoff uh, implications, though. Actually, Denver at Houston. Um, Denver's winners of five in a row, four in a row. Either way, Denver's winning a ton of games. Houston obviously has C.J. Stroud, who we've talked about at length on this program. Uh, you know, at home, I think this makes this an interesting game, but I gotta go with Denver. Denver's just playing better ball right now overall. Um, I think Houston's defense is a little bit banged up. Their offensive line isn't great. Obviously, it's kind of been a storyline all year. Um, but I think that this is a good spot for Denver to continue to get wins, pick up, um, some wins, get closer to the wild card uh, division. Uh, next up, we have the Colts at Tennessee. This could go either way, honestly. Garner Minshew has been pretty solid for the Colts. Colts has just been a really coached, well-coached team. Um, t- Titans, also a well-coached team, but not as good talent-wise. They haven't been as good this year. This feels like one of those games where like Will Levis <clears throat> actually does have a really good game, and we're like, yeah, Will Levis is actually pretty good. Which, I mean, look at what he's working with. He's doing pretty good. Um, but, I mean, I, Indianapolis is playing better overall complete ball. Give me the Colts. Carolina at Tampa Bay, this is a real stinker, kind of a real bummer of a game. Uh, give me Carolina to win this just because, you know, coming off the coach being fired, I feel like this is always a spot to pick that team that just fired their coach. Tampa Bay, kind of been disappointing. I don't even know who they played last week. I don't know who they beat. I don't know if they, like, I, they lost to the Colts last week. That's what it was. Yeah, no, give me the Panthers. Cleveland at L.A., this is this is kind of a tough game for me to pick. I don't know, I don't know what LA we're gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Rams just because I, I don't trust Cleveland's quarterback. I I don't I can't. I think it's gonna be Joe Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco in 2023. So yeah, no thank you. Give me the Rams. Then we have the biggest game of the week. We have the 49ers traveling to Philadelphia. Uh, frankly, this is the biggest game of the you know season, I think, for Philadelphia. This is really, I think, you know, you're going to be the one seed if you win this game. You're not going to be the one seed if you lose it. I think it's that simple. Philadelphia's been kind of skating by, you know, beating teams here and there, really kind of getting, you know, scooting on by. That's really the best way I can describe it. They're scooting on by. San Francisco's kind of rebound recently from their midseason struggles. I think they needed that to kind of humble themselves. They've been playing good ball recently. Um, blew out Seattle. Had a good week of break. <clears throat> I'm going to go with the 49ers here. You know, I think Brock Purdy's elbow won't give out. So I think that plays into the 49ers' favor. And Philadelphia, I feel like their luck has been, you know, just coming week after week. I think this time it runs out. They'll lose this week and, you know, kind of humble themselves. And the 49ers will win this game. Next up, we have Kansas City at Green Bay. We have Patrick Mahomes traveling to Lambeau, take on Jordan Love. Jordan Love's been playing great football recently. You know, I don't, I think he'll come back down to earth here. Kansas City defense has just been so good this year. Um, And they're, you know, their offense is kind of starting to figure it out. Can Rasheed Rice be the guy? I feel like that's a big question for them. He's been good as a rookie. Give me the Packers, or um, give me the Chiefs to beat the Packers here. And then we have the Jake Browning-led Bengals taking on Jacksonville. Give me the Jaguars. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bengals. You With Jake Browning, I can't pick you. So real quick, I want to look at the playoff picture and then get out of here. Um, right now we have Baltimore on top, the one seed. K- 
Kansas City two, Jacksonville three, Miami four, which is insane. They're all eight and three or nine and three for the Ravens. Then we have Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indianapolis at seven, rounding out the playoff picture. Uh, teams, if I had to guess, we're going to drop out. I, I think Cleveland and Indy are going to drop. I think the Texans, Texans and or Broncos. I think this is. I mean, I think really like ah, words mixed up. <clears throat> this upcoming week will be a wild card team eliminator between the Texans or the Broncos. I think one of those two teams, it's a two-way road. One's going to be the playoffs, one's going to be missing it. So I, I think the Broncos and I think the Bills, I, I just, the Bills had a heartbreaking loss and they have a tough schedule heading up, but I just find it hard to believe the Bills won't make the playoffs. I think they'll squeak in, maybe lose first round. That'll be it for Sean McDermott, but... Yeah, any of these other teams like Bengals, <coughs> Raiders, Vikings, I mean Vikings, Chargers, Titans, Jets, Patriots, they're all dead. Don't don't think about them. Then in the NFC we have the Eagles, uh, 49ers, Lions, Falcons, <laughs> Cowboys. <coughs> Seahawks, Vikings, Packers. Uh, rounding out some of the other teams after the Cowboys in the playoff picture. Uh, the Rams are sneaking around. Saints are sneaking around. And then you have Tampa Bay 4-7, Giants 4-8, Bears, Commanders, and Cardinals, Panthers. So, <clears throat> I mean, really the only thing I can see changing for this is the Vikings dropping out, the Packers or Rams sneaking in. Which isn't the worst thing. Like I said, the Rams are frisky. They're not good, but they're frisky. Packers... They're young, so but I mean they have obviously they beat the Lions last week, so um, and also I mean what's gonna happen? As can Atlanta should hold on to the four seed. They are the best team in the NFC South. I'm convinced. Um, Saints are just too depressing, but <clears throat> you know what? What will happen there? I couldn't tell you. So we'll get that stuff sorted out. We'll figure it out as we go. Um, like I said, I mean, we're, we're getting closer and closer to having some teams be eliminated from the playoffs, so <clears throat> playoff picture will, like, actually really start to make shape of, you know, which teams can have a chance or not. So that'll do it for me. That'll do it for Coach's Corner this week. I'm your host, Lucas Coach Far, as always. Uh, made it throughout most of the episode without coughing until the very end here, but that's okay. It's the season. It's the season of eventually getting a weird cough and a weird sickness that you don't know but you'll figure it out either way until next week goodbye